Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't had a chance to talk in some time with all the pandemic and what have you, but we're happy to have him. He's been on our mind. MediaMatters.org still doing the incredible work that we needed to do. Its president is back here with us, the president of MediaMatters.org, Angelo Carasone. Angelo, how are you and how are your loved ones in this pandemic? Everyone's doing all right. How about you? Yeah, okay. Okay, Hanging in here. Um, So, um, Kanye West is going to run for president. Yeah. Uh, And Tucker... Not this year, but Tucker's thinking about it. Have you too. seen that? It's crazy. I know. It's uh, what? Where did that come from? I know. It's nuts. It is. Um, you know, there's a lot of. It's funny when a couple months ago, there had been some reports about this with reporters, but nobody really wrote any story about it. You know, I mean, they just kind of heard the buzz. You know, there's this little faction inside the Trump universe that uh, of staffers that just like hype this idea all the time. Uh, you know, and they sort of feed the rumor mill that Pence is going to get 
pushed off the ticket and replaced with Tucker, but it never gotten any serious recognition. And then a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, right after the, and then especially after Tucker really took a hard stance against Black Lives Matter, um, uh, which should be terribly surprising, but there was much more buzz uh, within more, you know, it was considered the more intellectual conservative circles uh, to start promoting um, Tucker as sort of like the standard bearer for Trumpism. And so that's, that's where, that's the genesis of all this. So the last like week and a half, um, you know, a big piece of what's been happening is that that's obviously been fueling buzz. And then I would just say that what makes this sort of weird is the way that Tucker himself and Fox have been responding. So instead of uh, ignoring, which is what they would have done say a year ago if someone was writing the story um, or dismissing it out of hand, um, they're not really rejecting it, right? They, they're, he's kind of dancing around with the buzz in a, in a way that is not typical. Usually he would humiliate the reporter for asking him the question, but in this case, uh, he's kind of letting it fester and trying not to engage with it a little bit, which, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think he's thinking about it. At minimum, one thing is clear. He's trying to flex some, uh, some more political muscle. Um, and that is, that is, a, that is, a, that is just sort of, that's clear cut. Um, you know, there's a void with Limbaugh and others, and obviously he's got this weird role right now. And, and, and that is well established. And so that this presidential buzz kind of sits on top of it, but it's, it's, it's a reflection of where the Republican party is going to be with or without Trump. Yeah. So in terms of flexing political muscle, is that also compensation for something else? Um, and, and I'm thinking about once again, what you and I always talk about, um, advertisers. I mean, sooner or later, even the public begins to realize when they go to commercial break that the emperor has no clothes, that this thing is just something on TV that nobody really supports. It's true. You know, I mean, they, you know, it's interesting when he had those, those blockbuster ratings over the past, you know, quarter, um, you know, Fox was really pushing it pretty hard, but in their promotional materials, they were very careful not to talk about the monetization of the show. Um, and usually they would couple those two together, right? They would sort of tease the idea that they're going to increase advertiser rates. You'd want to try to set it up to sell you, you the part of the reason you promote that is not just to say look how good we are so that you can then turn around to advertisers next quarter and jack up your rates um and so but they didn't do that and it's to your point exactly they know that there's no commercials i mean when i did this analysis that looked at like four months of their coverage it was like 60 or 50 something percent of all the commercials on the show come from our my pillow um i mean that is almost all of his revenue comes from one advertiser these days and he had a couple left in early June. It feels like forever ago. And that was like T-Mobile and Papa John's, um, Smile Direct Club, which is another one that actually was running a lot of ads, and Disney. They all pulled their ads. Um, and that was sort of the last round of real advertisers that he had. So, you know, to your point, he doesn't have any commercials now. Um, instead, they run a lot of promos. Um, and the, just to put a bow on it, Fox News. Fox, well, Fox Corporation, is currently his second largest paid advertiser. So not even promos. They, are, they, are, they run, after MyPillow, the second highest amount of what would be considered paid commercials, meaning that they're writing a check from Fox to pay Fox News to run ads during his show because they literally have that drive of an inventory. Um, and that's different than promos. Um, promos are unpaid. So everybody knows that you don't pay for promos, but when you move it through that, you sort of write a check to yourself, it shows up as revenue. Um, so you get to, I think, assuage some of the more of the industry focused people that it's not as bad as it actually is. 
Um, yeah. And that part is, is, is pretty revealing because it shows that they're going through some pretty extraordinary lengths to try to avoid exactly the very thing that you said, which is more people talking about just how unsustainable it is from a business perspective. Yeah. So Fox is buying ads on its own network. Correct. Second largest advertiser right now on Tucker show. That's I've never heard anything like that before. It's absolutely one. I mean, it's, you know, occasionally you'll promote something. Um, but what they've been doing is, you know, in the past, they usually run promos, which is normal. It's not any unusual. Um, and sometimes they'll even do promos for Fox Nation, you know, which is one of which is part of Fox News. Mm -hmm. What they've been doing lately is running paid ads for Fox Nation and paid ads for Fox, Fox, Pro, you know, Fox News programming. So they've been converting, they've been running promos too, but they've been filling up the time slots for um, with these with actual commercials. And just to show you why, you know, Tucker's show used to have on average 32 to 36 commercials a show. Mm -hmm. And these days he has about 12, maybe 14 on a good day. And, you know, that's, and that's decreasing the number of spots. So, you know, these used to be 30 second ads. Now they're running a lot more 15 second ads. At some point you can keep cutting the amount of paid commercials you have, um, which is getting really, it's obviously really noticeable. I mean, they've really have the inventory. So half of what used to be paid commercials are actually promos for other Fox shows. Mm -hmm. Um, or you start to pad the numbers even more by running, you know, two or three, four ads for Fox programming a show in addition to the pro to the promo. So at some point, I mean, they're just going to get, they're going to get busted. Um, there's no way around that. It, it's unavoidable. So while we're on this subject, let, let's go back to another one of our favorite um, topics. And um, I guess we're still dealing with the subscriber fees. Yep. That's happening in earnest, and people should go to uh, unfoxmycablebox.com. They'll get some insight and advice on how to sort of work, talk to their own cable providers. There have been somewhere between 35 and 40,000 people that have already taken some kind of action over the past few months. Um, there's been four major negotiations um, since the end of, since the beginning of the year. And what's really significant about it is, you know, we, I think we should have a correction where instead of them being 250 a month, you know, they're a buck a month, which would still be really high, but would have that revenue. You know, they're trying to get $3 and 50 cents a month. What I'm really happy about is that in all four of the major negotiations, they haven't gotten their desired amount yet. And, uh, and this, the pushback had started even before coronavirus breakout happened. Right, um, right. But after that, they really are, we're in a weakened position. So, you know, we, we have this, this book um, that highlights all of the sort of misinformation around coronavirus that Fox had been promoting in like the first two and a half months, like 500 pages. And, you know, we've been giving that to companies, to, to, to these cable providers, especially the ones that are in front of us, because they're just looking for leverage in these negotiations. And so um, the good news is that so far they've missed their marks. Um, they've not been able to increase the revenue in any of these negotiations. There's a little bit of a low right now. Um, there aren't any this month or, probably for the first half of next month. But after that, it's full steam ahead. Probably a solid third of all of their contracts will be renewed starting again in, you know, in August. Um, and that'll run through the end of the year. So, you know, there's, there's a big moment probably to gear up for in the late summer, early fall. And if you notice that they're starting to lay the groundwork there, you know, they've been running all these ads. So Janine Pirro posts a picture of herself in a mask. Um, Fox News is running a PSA 
uh, public service announcement with Sean Hannity explaining the proper way to use masks. Uh, now, I mean, and so, and as it's as much for the, the their own people. Not it's more actually for the for for the cable companies, because what they're trying to do is push back against the idea that they were somehow a destructive influence in medical misinformation. Right. Right. And um, and so th you know they're they're taking advantage of this lull to try to do a little bit of cleanup, but ultimately. Um, you know, what I thought was unachievable was that we would be able to hold the line at minimum and that's, that's happened so far. And for them, that's what they, you know, they know that they've lost this advertising revenue you know, just to put a bow. I mean, it's, you know, 300 plus million dollars already in revenue that they've lost. So they, they need at minimum to make that up in the subscriber fees just to continue to break even in terms of their profitability. Otherwise come the end of the year, they're going back to shareholders to say, you're taking a loss this year. And in part, it's not just coronavirus, right? Part of it's going to be because we just did bad business. So they want to take the subscriber fee to three dollars and fifty cents. That's right. And what is it again now? Right now, it's about two to two fifty, depending depending on the provider. And that's and that's more than we pay for anybody. Anybody right? except for ESPN. Anybody except for ESPN. Hmm. Yeah, I mean nothing comes close. I mean truly, right. not a single. And you know they and people think it's about ratings. It has nothing to do with ratings. There are higher rated channels that get paid significant you know, channels that people watch more entertainment ones that get significantly less money. Yes, um, yes. If, you know, if Fox news had to compete, they wouldn't be profitable. That's how bad they are right now in terms of the advertising. If they were even close to the ballpark, they wouldn't be a profitable company. And one of the reasons they don't have to compete folks is because of the subscriber fee we pay. So you mentioned about 40,000 people have taken action. That's right. I mean, 40,000 people, have been able to actually unfox their cable boxes? Some of them have quit and canceled. Some of them have moved away. Some of them have gone ad hoc. A lot of them have just called and said, you know, here's what's happening. I want my cable bill reduced. I want it put on the record. Um, and that's been a big part of what we've been trying to do. Some people really want to cancel, you know, they wanted their cable box unfoxed. And if they can't do it, they want to leave. They want to untether away and say, look, here's, these are the 12 channels that I want. How do I do this without giving Fox News a penny? And there have been people that have been able to make that switch. It's a little bit of a pain right now. I still hope we get one provider that gives us a Fox-free option. Um, I, I feel like one of the things that happened, it was a little bit of a low, but one of the things that happened in the wake of this big culture shift following um, you know, all, all these social justice protests and demonstrations has been a, a, an awareness on the part of companies that it's not just like posting on Instagram, right? That they can actually, that it's, that it's good business to actually provide more range of options to customers. And I've at least observed a little bit more movement now in the last couple of weeks at, on that part for them to start to think about, maybe we should think about how we don't force people to pay for the channel that is essentially promoting, uh, you know, white nationalism. I mean, it's not, right. it's, it's a hard, it seems like good business for them. And and that's, that is, I think that's where some of these changes will take, you know, are going to happen in every front. But that's one piece that I've noticed is that a little, a lot more serious is given to how a provider, especially one that's a little bit more positioned to be more nimble. So maybe a digital only one where, you know, uh, like a Hulu or something can jump in and say, look, here's how you do it. And here's how we're going to handle it. So it's interesting. I do feel like there'll probably be one before the end of the year. The market just seems to be growing at, at too much of a, of a high rate right now. And at this moment of, of racial reckoning, this is the time to do it. It's, it's, it's a white nationalist channel. Trump's a white nationalist. I mean, and this whole thing about the corona, now let's wear masks. They poo-pooed masks. They disinformed for months on the pandemic. And again, they're good. 
they have no shame and they're good at the, the Putin strategy of the fog of unknowability. I, I, I think Putin probably has some influence on them too, because you say one day, don't wear a mask, and the next day, oh, we've always been for masks. That's right. And they don't even stop to think, well, you know, that's not true. And some of you might get called out on it, but they don't seem to care. That's right. You know, they used to argue, you know, in it always feels like a blur now, but one of the big things that they were arguing against when it came to masks was that it didn't matter whether or not they were effective. This is back in April. Um, they said the reason why the media wants people to be wearing masks is because it makes it scary. And it makes it seem more real than it is. And therefore, people are less likely to participate in the economy if they see all these people walking around with masks. And right. so they said it's a, it's, a, it's a tool of control. And that was their big argument for why nobody should wear a mask, um, was that it was about control. And this is what you hear the people saying today, right, is that they hear the mask thing as an element of control. And that's where the pushback comes from. And that's how they work, right? They planted the seed. They can't unwind that at this point. It doesn't matter how many you know, pictures they post of Janine Pirro in a mask. Um, nobody believes it. Um, wait a minute. I, I get them all confused. Janine, that's the judge, right? That's the judge. Yeah. She's had a rough summer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> poor Janine. I feel sorry. For, I don't know what's going on in her house. But Janine, <laughs> the memes were like, Janine, Janine was a little sauced a couple of those nights. Yeah, she was. <laughs> She was like messed up, but <laughs> so, so, but, but just for a moment to go back to the subsidy, um, is it, it, would I still be accurate if I said, as we've also discussed in the past, that the Fox sports properties are probably still also That's right. doing some subsidy. And, and let me just say this in fairness. So for years I was on an AM talk station. And nowadays, most companies, well, everything's kind of been monopolized, but back in those days in the 80s and early 90s, FMs also owned their AM counterparts. And the more AM was becoming obsolete, if I owned an FM, that would help subsidize my AM. So I just want to say that in full disclosure, that, that happens in media. Um, and the reason I bring that up, I was on the phone, you know, in this moment of reckoning, been talking to a few of the players unions and people trying to figure out what to do. How do we enter this space? How do we get uh, professional athletes more involved in the movement mark? They'll ask. And, and then when I say to them, I say, well, you know, the leagues you that, in, that you work for have contracts with a network that um, uh, subsidizes Fox news. I mean, man, people's mind, they never heard that, before Angelo. They were like, what? And that's and it, still the case. It's still the case. And also it's their biggest weapon in these negotiations. Not, not when they walk into these rooms, they are not talking about Fox news. They are, they are talking about the Super Bowl. In fact, and, and sports more broadly, but with Hulu, when they, when Hulu was resistant, this is earlier this year uh, to, to what they had wanted in terms of a contract increase, Fox news turned, told, announced, walked out of the room, announced that they were turning off access to the Super Bowl for Hulu. And, and it was solely a negotiating tactic. And it was entirely about the Fox News rate. It had nothing to do with sports. But they knew full well that if you turn off the Super Bowl for people five days before, you know, that's their primary vehicle for watching it. Um, and you cannot watch it on Hulu. You need to change subscribers. 
And they knew that that was a very powerful leverage point for Hulu. Um, I think Hulu adapted pretty well by sending out explainers to people how they could watch the Super Bowl on Hulu, not through the Fox Sports app. Um, uh, I don't think they fully gained that out, but ultimately it was an example of how they leverage their sports channels um, and their sports. Their, I mean, that's just, that's power and they get that and it's different. Yeah. So to be clear, the subscriber fee that's 250, they want to take the 350. That's for Fox News Channel. Is there a subscriber fee for any of the sports channels? There are. And um, they're sometimes negotiated together. Some, oftentimes they're negotiated separately, actually. But what Fox will do is treat them for consumer purposes the same. So they'll run crawls on the Fox Sports Channel saying, change your local provider. They're, they're trying to take away Fox. But that's not true, right? But they have access to that market. And so a lot of times what they do, and this is what providers will tell you, you know, cable companies, they will say that they feel like a lot of Fox's negotiating uh, is, is unfair and in bad faith, not because they're hard negotiators. It's that if you're negotiating a Fox news rate and they go to their sports channel and say, you know, cancel your cable provider, they are going to get rid of Fox sports. Right. Um, People don't, aren't digging into the thing there. So they run these campaigns. They literally call it Keep Fox and they recycle it over and over and over again, um, depending on the market that they're fighting in. And you know, no one's really sympathetic to their cable company too. So cable companies can come back and say, but that's not true, but it's too complicated. But it, no, it doesn't matter because you yeah. saw that crawl on the bottom of the sports channel, which is that if you don't call your cable provider and demand that they keep Fox, um, you're going to lose Fox Sports. Yeah. And yeah. and that's it. And so they understand. And that's where some of the tools come in is that they and they time their negotiations to sporting events. Um, that's partly why they why there aren't any right now. Right. If you notice, we should have been full in the heat of negotiating right now. But they've sort of given a lot of extensions on these existing contracts because they're hoping to get back to a place where there's some sports happening for them to re-leverage during these negotiations because they're in the ultimate weakest position. But their biggest tool in their toolkit right now are their sports channels, and they know it. So again, August is a big month in terms of that negotiation. That's right. So people, to so tell people what they need to be doing leading up and through August when it comes to unfox my cable box. So the simplest thing they can do is if they go to the, to, to the website, they, they fill in which cable provider they have, their email address, then we start to give follow-ups based on which provider they currently have right now. So it's important news about it. Um, and then it's also a little bit of a walkthrough on how they can actually contact their cable provider and who they specifically need to be talking to there. And then some people say, look, I'm just so frustrated with my provider. I want to get off this entirely. Here are my nine channels that I just absolutely need to have help me do it. And we've been walking people through that process as we sort of start to scale this. Um, but the most important thing we can do right now is make sure they don't get that increased amount, which has been successful. Uh, and then the second biggest thing I would love would be a correction on the price. Um, and I, you know, there's a, this is the moment for it. Um, once these contracts are inked, it's going to take a long time for any meaningful accountability and they know it. Um, so folks, you know, you want to be, be sure to think about that. Um, the other thing that's going on right now, and I mean, it may be changing as we speak, uh, but at the time that we're talking this morning, um, they also seem to be a little bit confused about Kanye West over there. <laughs> now... It, 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 they one minute they think he might help Trump divide the black vote, but then some folk went on TV and said, "Oh no, he's going to steal votes away from Donald Trump." That's right. And 
so they they need to get their messaging right on that. Don't they, they are not sure how to deal with that yet. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they are. It is. It has been a, watching Fox and Friends even this morning because that was like their first live fire example of it. You could tell they hadn't quite figured out is this good or bad. Um, I mean, I think you know their knee jerk reaction would be to attack, right? But they don't necessarily want to do that if it seems like it's going to take away more votes or make more of a hassle for 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 Biden. Um, I think it's going to be like that for a couple of days. Remember, there's no Roger Ailes anymore. There's no one there to help it sort through what the appropriate lane is. And um, you know, so there's no one. They don't have anybody over there with that political acumen or anything. Nothing. They have Hannity, who's a who's totally a Trump shill. And that's why Tucker has been increasingly flexing more muscle lately. Um, because he sees the void and the vacuum, and but ultimately they, they only have a you know a little little factions inside the network, but there isn't anybody there that can help reconcile these tensions. Whereas if Roger Ailes was still running the place, he would have told them, "This is Kanye. This is his role. This is the story we're telling," and it would be every hour on the hour. And now there's a lot more contradictions, just like you said. You know, um, it is it is really weird. Uh, so you know, we'll, we'll we'll sort of wait until you know Candace Owens will sort of be a bellwether for them. They'll start to have Candace Owens and people like her on in prime time. One of the arguments is going to break through, like whether or not she says Kanye's good or bad for Trump, that'll end up kind of filtering out by osmosis to be the rest of the narrative that the network kind of gloms onto. Um, and that's and that's how a lot of their sort of orientation around these these issues have been for the past you know year, is that they kind of wait to see which person has the most influence over that topic. And then they kind of just bungle their way through it yeah um they've been covering or pushing propagandizing biden's cognitive decline and they did that with hillary i remember in 2016 they did but i don't know if that's really smart either because that opened the door for people objectively and organically on social media to look at um what happened at west point which was bizarre and you know the whole two-hand glass holding thing. I, I don't know if they want to do that. No, I don't think they. I mean, they. I think they thought they had something, but it's a weird thing to sort of compare people to. Um, you know, that for him, I mean, it's it's just a, it's strange. It's just strange, especially because he can't. You know, those things will get elevated more. And in a weird way, you know, one of the things about Trump over the years that I've always noticed is that, you know, he's so as much as he likes to attack other people as, you know, choke artists and everything, he is like, when he does choke, it's a, it is the biggest because in a way, because he's, it, he's so terrified of it that when it happens, it is this cascade. I mean, it, it, ha it just happened at one of, you know, his last speech, right. Where he, he, you know, he said swipping and, you know, he meant to say sweeping and he tried to like turn it into an actual word. And you could tell he started to let himself ramble because he realized that he made a small misstep, which everybody does when they're speaking. And, but for him, I, I do think it's, it's going to become, the more they actually intensify that attack, the weird way is I think it'll actually end up getting in his own head in, in, that may not be for the best. But that's, their, and, that's what they're going to hang their hat on. And we all know the cas those cascades happen when you make those slips of the tongue and you also are insecure about your own cognition. You know, that's just human nature. Yeah. So when I say something, and I'm like, oh, well, let me try to, you know, because nobody wants to be accused 
of of cognitive decline. Nobody, I don't care what age you are. Right. Yeah. No. And I thought, you know, and, and to your point too, one of the things that was interesting at the press conference, you know, it was the Fox reporter that actually confronted Biden about his yeah. uh, asking the question about cognitive decline. Because how could you be a Fox News and have a chance to ask him a question and not ask him one about his own cognitive decline? And you know, and what they didn't really appreciate is that his answer was just so bluntly honest, which is that I'm old. Like it just happens. You know, it's like you get older, you start to make. It's like what's what is your point? It did kind of take some of the sting out of the argument, but it hasn't actually changed the volume of coverage that Fox has given to it. Um, they actually just pretended that that exchange didn't exist at all. Um, and I think for them, that was going to be their big gotcha moment where they put it on repeat. And instead, they didn't get it. Um, so now, they instead, what they did is they started to sort of do what they normally do, which is to criticize other media for not asking Biden about his right. So... That, you know, I think it, it's a weird thing for them to, to, to drill down on. It, like I said, but it worked in the past with Hillary, and I think they feel like maybe they can do it one more time. But in fact, it, it may just, it's just not going to stick the same way. Not this time. I, I don't think it will. And especially with Trump's own obvious uh, issues. Um, let's talk about Facebook. Yeah. Um, that's a campaign that's going well. People are withdrawing from Facebook, aren't they? They the are. Advertisers. That's what they are. They are definitely doing it. And, you know, I think to me, there's two big takeaways from all this. One is what happens when places like the NAACP, the ADL, right, color of change, flex their, flex their muscle in a concerted, specific way. I mean, that it is, it's a big thing. I mean, they really changed the calculus in the way that advertisers have thought about this. And it's both a flexing of muscle and smart strategy. Like they're asking, they're sort of drawing Facebook out, right? Because they're asking for a pause which seems like a reasonable thing to do. And if you're a company and you put the pause in place, you'd hope that Facebook would address the problem in the 30, like they're giving them basically a 30 day buffer, you know, to kind of fix this problem. And in fact, now they really just thrown the ball back in Facebook's court, who's consistently bungled right. it. I think they really, but I think ultimately one of the big parts about it, cause sometimes the toxicity stuff and the hate piece, that's the thing that everyone really responds to because it's so visceral. But, you know, one of the precipitating things that was driving it was actually the election fraud and the vote piece. Now, this was work that needed to be done now, because if you think about it, there's only one real way that Trump can win right now, according to the polls, right? And that's to stop people from voting. Um, and he did it in 16 with some of the suppression campaigns and some of the foreign interference. And this time around, it, he can only do it if Facebook enables it. And so one of the big moments is it kind of got lost in all the fray, but in mid-May, the Trump campaign was running 529 ads on Facebook that contained explicit pieces of misinformation related to voting in them. And uh, Facebook had said previously before Congress that they had, that, that was going to be a carve out, that they were going to enforce their policies against politicians, uh, especially in ads that contained misinformation about voting. They didn't. And that was a sign that they changed their approach. And when you game that out, I mean, just think about it five days before the election, two days before the election, you start targeting people in communities that are already hit the hardest by coronavirus saying your local polling station, you know, is going to get, it has people who have coronavirus there, keep people home or worse, you know, all this work is being done for getting people to do mail-in voting. What if you start emphasizing more misinformation, although there's a lot of truth to this, but how you could distort it, right? Which is to say, don't bother mailing in your ballot because it won't get counted, Right. Um, you put that in certain communities you, and say you have to vote in person and then two days before the election, you start to suppress their vote, right? That's how you can start to do that. And you really need to get Facebook 
to rethink how they approach you know, election integrity and voting. So I, I can't really think of anything more important in this moment, both from a long-term culture shift, but also from a straight up election protection, preservation of democracy, than the work that the groups involved in stockade for, uh, for profit are doing. It's almost like Facebook, I mean, Facebook wants to be a, a baby fox, but they're not really at the same time. Yeah. You know, people know what Fox is. It's clearly defined and we deal with it. I don't think the public will allow, and obviously aren't, the advertisers aren't, yeah. going to allow Facebook to play on that field without being held accountable. It didn't come into existence as a Fox per se. No. So why are people going to abide that now? And they've got to make a decision. They do. You know? and I, it can't. Be both. No, and you know, I mean, Zuckerberg really does seem like, you know, a sophomore that just read Ayn Rand for the first time, right? Because a lot of what he was talking about was you just put good information out there and that he's a free speech champion, right? It's all about freedom. Um, but I think the deeper issue is that, you know, when you, I always look at who the decision maker is and yeah, Zuckerberg, sure, but really the person driving a lot of the changes at Facebook has been a guy by the name of Joel Kaplan, who is a right-wing operative. So he's the Facebook executive that was sitting behind Kavanaugh at the hearing. And the reason he was sitting behind him is because they came up in sort of right wing politics in the 90s together. Um, he was in the Bush administration as a deputy chief of staff. Like he is an operative. He's not a he's not somebody that should be setting the rules um, for a platform like Facebook. And, you know, if a guy like Joel Kaplan was taken out of Facebook and put in charge of CNN or a newspaper, everyone would be up in arms about bias. Right. Well, that's what he is doing there. He is setting the editorial agenda uh, for what is happening at the platforms, who gets rules enforced against them, who does not, right? And a lot of the rollbacks that we've seen that have led to this environment where advertisers feel like they have to react, you can draw a straight line from all of the major issues that are on the table right now and very explicit decisions that Joel Kaplan had implemented and put in place you know, or as early as, as, as 2016. So is, is Facebook responding in the right way? Are, are we seeing any, any indication that they're going to try to make some changes? They are. I mean, it's made, I mean, there have been some things. I mean, I think the biggest one, and this is an example, is that they, you know, I gave those two thought experiments before about some of the voting misinformation, and they announced that they're going to, one, prohibit that whole universe of voting misinformation um, and, and take really aggressive steps against it. That's great. What they said, though, is that they'd only do it three days before the election. Well, what the hell good is that? I mean, people are going to be voting by mail 30, 40 days before the election. So, you know, here they've, they've done something that is significant, right? And they say, and they know, and we, they turn the key, which means we know they can do it. Uh, but now they're only going to go a few days, which is ridiculous. Like for something like that, if they were really significant, they would at least make it for the whole voting period. I don't see any reason not to do it starting now, right? So... I, especially in an environment where the integrity of the election and what happens after the vote is going to be just as important as what happens before it, because that's going to affect the legitimacy of the next president and, and what happens in that middle period. You know, we've seen a lot of violence that is stirred by misinformation. And you know, we have these boogaloos and these other sort of militia groups. Like there's, it's going to be important for people to believe that the vote was fair and accurately counted. So yeah, they've done some stuff, but it's not nearly all the way. Um, but it does show the power. I mean, they're starting to break a little bit. And it's because, you know, they basically had the whole advertising community brought to bear on them in a pretty yeah. swift way. 
in a, in a, in a, in a meaningful way, in a way that has uh, had some teeth to it as well. I mean, I mean, we may as well say, especially with Joel, as you described, sitting right there, that Facebook favors Donald Trump's reelection. Yes. I mean, I mean, we, we, I mean, just call it out exactly for what it is. It's true. They do. Um, it's great for engagement. It's good for their business. Um, you know, I think they have always worried about Democrats more broadly because they think it needs more potential regulation. Zuckerberg was very explicit about that in some of his attacks against Elizabeth Warren, where he said she was the worst for them. Um, but more broadly, you know, ideologically, remember, Facebook isn't just American. They're a global company. And they, you know, they were responsible for a lot worse in other places. I mean, a lot of what they do is enable some of the worst forms of extremism uh, uh, across the globe. And, um, you know, they, and they have a tendency to cater to extreme right-wing governments. And a big part of that is they, you know, they feel like if you accept a little bit of responsibility, then you have to accept a whole lot more of it. And they don't want to do it because it's ideologically inconsistent with the things that they believe. And it's, that's just what it boils down to is that is it really is this, this weird ideological philosophy that they are somehow stifling people by not letting them brigade, uh, you know, by not letting them brigade young black activists or to swarm, you know, young Jewish people with anti-Semitism or specifically to target, you know, one of the big things that happened in Europe is that there was this rise of, of, of women parliamentarians, um, a lot of them happened to be Jewish, and they were systematically targeted um, through Facebook. Uh, as right. they start, you know, as they started to get elected, and there was not an accident. I mean, it was an intentional effort uh, that identified weak targets to make them scared to legislate and to try to push them out of public life, just like we've seen historically. Right? You target, you know, especially women of marginalized communities, and you you knock them out first. Right. And and he didn't do anything about it. And just one other category: we know that they suppress the content of a lot of activists too. They sure you do. know. I mean, people who are legitimately putting things out there and then it doesn't get seen. The algorithm doesn't push it out the way it pushes out some of the crazy stuff, you know, sure and, 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 and that's problematic, too. Last thing before we go, we haven't talked. So would love to get your reaction to Tulsa and the K-pop kids and <laughs> what they did, because it seems to me. That's almost, that may also have to be ultimately the antidote to all of this that even Facebook can't get around. But those kids and TikTok and Snapchat, they, they put one on a dude. I would love every minute of it. I, could, I didn't go to sleep that Saturday night just watching all the, the threads. It's so much fun, you know, and it's been happening. You know, there was a, we should, there was like, there were little, there were little examples that they were starting to gear up for that, you know, uh, that same week, a little bit earlier, um, you know, this QAnon conspiracy, these crazy guys, they, the, the K-pop people um, took over one of the QAnon hashtags and, uh, and the Q people lost their minds, right? Because they didn't know how to deal with this, which is that they just got, or they just got flooded with, with all these like, you know, K-pop stands and they just, and they were furious because they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't organize amongst themselves because they were just being, their hashtag had been taken over. So they, I mean, it was just total disruption. And, um, and it was a good sign, like, oh, this is going to be amazing if they start to get activated. What I like about it, I mean, look, it's good, sh you know, Schadenfreude. It feels good. It's nice, you know. A, a lot of the right wing operations these days, their governing, their philosophy is to own the libs. And frankly, you know, I, I do. It is annoying, and it's kind of nice to be able to own them occasionally for nothing else, and it just one feels good. 
Two, it's a little empowering. I mean, it can actually feel good to see them scramble for a change and to whine and complain. Um, and then the third part, though, and I think this is significant, is it is something we've talked about this a lot, which is that a lot of what's happened over the years, and it's a consequence of Facebook and the environment, is that the abuses and the systemic harassment and everything else has created a culture where a lot of people that identify as left of center do not participate in public discussions of things related to politics or civic engagement. And that has an effect on organizing. It has an effect on how you, it just has an, it has an effect on what's acceptable and not acceptable. It has everything. So the second, and it's not because they don't care, right? It's because they don't want to be just, just savaged or trolled. So in the, when I see these things happening, um, they're illustrations of, of what, of, what can happen when you build some of that connective tissue again? Because um, that same tool that got people to motivated to own the Trump people a little bit, which was a blast, um, it also is is a powerful tool for changing culture, changing the conversation around what is and was not acceptable in terms of defunding the police. Right? It changes the conversation about politics at, at the local level and the national level. Like it's the it's the same mechanism that we're going to need to to fix anything. So. It both feels good, is fun, and it also has a good illustration for how we fix it. So that's my big takeaway from it. I loved every second of it, and I was totally there for it. It was. It was great. <laughs> Beatthematters.org, folks, keep up with everything going on there. They watch Fox so you don't have to. And they're looking closely at Facebook, too, by the way, Matters.org. Also, if you haven't already, go to unfoxmycablebox.com. You don't want to subsidize Fox News. I know you don't. Uh, who does? So go to unfoxmycablebox.com. The president of MediaMatters.org. Always a pleasure to chat with him, Angelo Carasone. Thank you, Angelo. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. All right. Awesome. Uh, All right. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.